and down to California, Los Angeles, and even to New York, the East Coast, and going down to Florida, and down and down to Caracas, up to Chile, Santiago, down the islands, Europe, tuned in Africa from Alexandria, from Cairo to Cape Town. I know you are tuned in. I had even Nigerian radio now. They're tuned in all across Uganda. is saturated. Everybody's tuned in. What we have been looking at is the coming of the Messiah, the rapture of the church. And that has been a central theme, a central theme, an exhaustless theme conversation ever since we began. And this briefing here that we have and conference has been running on for some time now, ever since we came from, uh, from Brazil, from the meeting in Rio de Janeiro. And what we have seen has been big. Because in looking at the fundamental scriptures that define the rapture of the church, that identify it and celebrate it and roll it out to give a cascade, we have seen so much instruction and so much unveiling of what the Lord is saying to this generation now from those scriptures. Are we together? And we have seen the following. We have seen, number one, that there is continuous conflict, an unstopped fight between good and evil. There has been a non-stop fight also between the Lord and the enemy. We know that that fight, you know, started all the way from uh, heaven when the angel at that time, you know, uh, an archangel Lucifer rebelled against the Lord and a massive conflict ensued. And that conflict has become, I don't want to use the eternal, has become a perpetual because it will come to an end, Right? Yes, but it has become a perpetual conflict that is replaying out, replaying itself in the hearts of every single human being. That is the conflict that is even determining what you watch on your news on a daily basis. Hallelujah. And yet, in our genesis, in our beginning, I mean, one of these days when we started, we said, okay, if the conflict is raging high like that, there is such a fiery fight going on between the enemy and the Lord, between sin and holiness. And you know about that conflict because it's raging in your hearts also. Then we said, can we just go fast forward a little bit and see how this thing ends? How does it finally end? And then we quickly went to the book of Daniel chapter 2, verses 44 and 45. If you, I'm just reading it here, don't even worry, you don't have to read it. And it says the following, because you're giving me your eye contact so I can be able to really uh, get down to this. I'm simply summarizing what we have seen thus far, right? And we saw in Daniel chapter 2, 44, 45, it says the following. It says, in the time of those kings... The God of heaven will set up a kingdom that will never ever be destroyed. Nor will it be left to another people. It will crush all those kingdoms and bring them down, bring them to an end. But it will itself endure forever and ever. This is the meaning of the vision of the rock cut out of a mountain, but not by human hands. A rock that smote and smashed and broke the iron and the bronze and the clay and the silver and the gold and everything down. The great God of heaven has shown the king what will take place in the future. The dream is true and the interpretation is believable, trustworthy, guarantee you can rely on it. Hallelujah. You can put your lives on this. You say you can depend on this. 
very serious, blessed people. And so, in fast forwarding, we quickly saw that this story ends well. That we end with a victory. Hallelujah. And we said that is so significant. Why? Because it really determines how we walk with Christ now. And how we resolve to maintain our firm stand. Why? Because we end up with victory. So in other words, you know the news before it is read on TV. Right? And if you get to know the news before it is read on TV, you just do what? You just go ahead and join the winning side. Right? It's like somebody, I don't want to use these examples really, they're quite trivial. But I'm just using, so it's like somebody knowing what a school will get at the end of the final exams. You, before you join Form 1, you know that that school, all the candidates will pass. You just join that school. Hallelujah. It is no genius, right? And this is what we are talking about here. And so, it ends well. Our God wins. You that have chosen Christ, you win. So stay put. Stay firm. That is a greater impetus for a greater resolve. To walk with Christ more faithfully, knowing that, oh, just a moment, we are going to win. We were right. And, for example, the, the we were right that you are singing. You can imagine when I walked through the airports of this country and came to you in the year 2004. I mean, if somebody had said that the cloud is going to come, the creepers are going to walk, the rain is going to fall, the neutral stars, what, it's going to be the epicenter of the earth. Uh, I mean, it should be now total, right? But now it's almost total, right? But I, I'm trying to make you up the picture. You just join, right? You don't say, oh, I, want, I need to go to this other church, I need to go to this other place. Not at all. And so, this is what we are talking about now. We are saying, again, we are on another screen, I'm very shocked. So, we, we are to, this is what we are talking about, blessed people, if you focus on me. He's saying, he's saying the following. He's saying here, that in our conversation, this has been running for months, really, right? But very powerfully and beautifully so, with so much understanding now. And so, in so doing, we began to handle the prophetic timeline of God. And I say it, some of the best ways for you as preachers, some of the best ways of handling this entire episode, this entire uh, case of the coming of the Messiah, because now we are doing a briefing, and in this briefing we are looking at the status, status report. What are things, or where are things as at now, right? And there is no better person to brief the nations, except he, they that the Lord Yahweh is speaking to directly. And that's why I want to say the following. And so, we found out the following. Very powerfully, blessed people, just allow me to summarize this for those who have come in today. We found out that sometimes, uh, look at this now, if you're focusing on me, if we did this already, that sometimes when you down and you're reading, for example, Daniel chapter 12, you're finding there that multitudes who sleep in the dust of the earth will awake, some to everlasting life, others to everlasting shame and everlasting contempt. That, that's another name for hell. That's another name for the lake of fire. Reproach, abhorrence. That's another, and he says very clearly, the fire there, the, 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 the smoke, the fire never extinguishes, and the smoke rises forever and ever, meaning for as long as Yahweh lives, right? And so I say the following.
I said it will be wise. Sometimes it's wise for you to lift yourself. Look at this now. Just lift yourself a little bit above. And then have a, a, a global picture, universal picture, panoramic view, bird's eye view. And say, just a moment. The rapture is so critical here. We are handling it here. We are doing the mechanics of it. Eh? And how the church should prepare and everything. We are handling it. We, 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 we are handling it at this place. But what is the purpose, the significance of the rapture in the bigger picture? You understand now? So when we removed ourselves a bit out, not really remove yourself, but when we lifted up, I had a bigger picture about it. We found that the rapture is a very important component, a very important ingredient, aspect of God's redemptive program on the earth. And there are other programs that as at now, between the cross, Pentecost, or if you will, after the cross, just a few days, Pentecost, and, the, and now, the rapture is the most important calendar event that is most awaited right now. Even heaven is waiting for the rapture. And so, we understood the following. We understood that before the cross, Christ preached, I mean, he went all over Israel, trying to teach them who the Messiah, who the Christ is, right? After the cross, look at this now. After the cross, then the disciples, after he ascended, the disciples attempted. They attempted to go tell Israel, Jerusalem over there, who Christ is, this same Jesus, whom you have killed, has become the Messiah, has become the Lord's Christ. He is the Lord. He has resurrected. So they continued doing that there in Jerusalem. Until Stephen is killed. Acts chapter 7. When Stephen dies, then now there is a dispersing the dispatching of the church through all the way Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. Then uh, the Lord finds a young man called Saul, becomes Paul. And then the gospel now changes from who Christ is to what Christ has done. The grace. And that is what now happened within the Gentile church. That's why you are sitting here. Hallelujah. Because you have come to, you have come because of what Christ has done. Hallelujah. For you, you didn't have a trouble. You did have a problem. It's like you stood up and said, hey, let me say Swahili first. I'd like to do that. Will you ever forgive me? I think one day I need to find out how, whether you will forgive me, those who are brought. Because I try to use Swahili, like sometimes I use Spanish because it's richer. It's richer than I'd be able to transmit it in English. So it's like, you know, uh, so, so it's very serious, blessed people. It's like the Gentiles, they said, oh, come on, Taki. Did you, can I say it now in English? It's as though the Gentiles stood here and said that they have rejected him. You have rejected him. I, if you have rejected him, then bring him this way for us who will accept him. Because there was the diversion of the mission at that point. And so the mission came to the Gentiles, and now we found out the following. That within the prophetic timeline of God giving me eye contact still, then you have the following events. You have the church age bathed out at Pentecost. He has gone to the cross essentially and it is Jesus that starts the church age. You noted recently when I looked through the prophetic timeline that the, the Lord Jesus, the Messiah, is at the center of everything. Uh -huh. Everything. Nothing happens except that he has sanctioned it. He has ratified it. He has allowed it. Look at this now. So what we were saying 
and you have removed yourself. You know, you're handling the rapture, but you remove yourself just a little bit. And you look at the timeline of God. Then you saw the church age. That Jesus, he said, I'll release, I'll send you the comforter, the Holy Spirit, the advocate. Right? Your protector. So that you're not orphaned or destituted. Right? Then, he sends the Holy Spirit at Pentecost. Right? After he does that, look at this now. The church age rolls out. Rolls out. And between the, 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 the Pentecost and the rapture, that is called the church age. And we knew that we also had that other hallmarks that you find in there is that the Lord Jesus himself announced, he announced that announcers would come. He announced that announcers would come. That would come and start announcing the kingdom. That the kingdom is near. They would start announcing. So, look at this now. So, this is what we are saying. You will see the church age and Jesus, those are the hallmarks. Those are the hallmarks on the timeline. We saw that already, right? But I'm just trying to run through it. That the announcers would come to announce the kingdom. And when they come, they would have some biblical identity. Biblical stripes. That they would have power to call heaven, to call God, to come. It doesn't matter 2023, no. If you are the one, then just do it. Yeah, hallelujah. There's no saying you see all oh, the way now it's modern age. Not at all. So their biblical identity is very clear and clean. Huh? And also the Holy Spirit comes and identifies them in the order, in the protocol. He used to identify the Messiah. Why? Because of what's at stake. They don't want people to get it wrong, right? He descends on them as, as Eugene has put it there and come back to us. I know that he's been working with Randy, so he's able. The Holy Spirit descended in Kakamega, and he has put something else. We are live on air. Uh, and, and, and lighted on me in the manner he lighted. You remember yesterday we, said, we talked about joyriding? Eh? And I even live on air told him, please learn every button. Yes, otherwise it will be difficult to sustain you, right? And so, this is what we saw. We saw that when you look at it, I told him, learn every button, every database, otherwise we cannot keep you around. Yes, we will have to let you go. Yeah. And so, lighting on me, you see what you see on your screen. Good. Listen to me now. Very powerful. Yes, indeed, to clap for the Lord. Yes, very mighty. Let's clap to the Lord. But then, now, we saw that the biblical identity would be, would be indisputable, unmistakable, incontrovertible, undeniable. Because of what's at stake. And so that happens. And then uh, after we, we saw that the announcers would come within the church age, and then the rapture would take place. But look at what we saw again. We therefore saw that the rapture is like a switch. The coming of the Messiah to snatch the bride is like a switch. Let me explain this. Because we saw that, hey, if it does happen, you have only seven years and the kingdom comes. Only seven. That is serious. Are we together? That, again, the Lord tarries. He delays. 
He sends the announcers. They can command heaven to open. Rain come. Now, we have done it 15 times. Even in Lima, Peru, which is a desert city. Kakamega. Even Lima, Peru, desert city. And that prophecy I gave in uh, Italy, from Italy, is when I said, I'm going to Lima, Peru, when I get there, I will stand in the meeting, in the public, and I will speak with, stand on the earth, and speak with God the Father in the meeting, publicly aloud, and tell him to open heaven and bring rain, and God will instantly answer and bring rain like that. From Italy, live on TV like this, in Europe over there. And two months later when we went there, look at the reception at the airport. So a man of God, we welcome. Okay, let's listen to the reception. Who is ever received like that? That's, unless you know that the, 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 the foreigners have come. Welcome to our nation, Peru. Bienvenido a nuestro país, Peru. It's an honor. Es un honor. That you be here. Que usted esté aquí. Open para abrir the heaven, los cielos, to bring y traer the revival, avivamiento, visitation, la visitación. Today, hoy, is a historic, es un histórico, day. es un día histórico. Very serious, blessed people. Listen to me now. Focus on me here that you enter the airport and then you have all these senior pastors and from the parliament members of parliament there and then the lead pastor in charge he steps forward his country says that man of god welcome to the nation of peru we 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 welcome you here that you may come and open heaven who is ever received like that at the airport unless they are now aware that the biblically sanctioned biblically promised have arrived so it's obvious now. So they are saying, no, it doesn't matter whether our city is a desert city, you come and do this, right? And then what happened was very unbelievable, which we have already run now. So now, listen to this now. Very, very serious. We saw again, now look at the timeline, the church age, and then in there, the rapture of the church, between the Pentecost and the rapture, that is called the church age, your Revelation chapter 2 and 3, right? Do you remember when Jesus wrote the, the, the seven epistles to the church? So now Revelation chapters 2 and 3. And then the rapture of the church. And when the rapture switches on, is on rather, you run into the seven years that is very well elaborated in the Bible as a caution. The seven years have been a stark warning in the Bible. And we read from Daniel chapter 12, we saw verse 5 where... The Christ, the Lord, remember that night spoke to me by voice and said, Christ concealed. That means before he came incarnated. Remember that time when they said, who is this principle that's standing above the waters, wearing linen? So the other angels are asking, asking him, how long will these things happen? Then he lifted his hand up, the right hand, left hand, and he swore by him that lives forever. That is eternal Jehovah Elohim, my friend himself. Okay, thank you. So we are back with it. Hallelujah. And so, look at this now. Very powerful. So we found out that these seven years has been a serious warning in the church 
That's the reason we are here. That's why the reason, that's the reason the Lord has sent us here. Otherwise, I have seen my action in Israel. I have seen my action on the other side after the rapture. Hallelujah. But that's why the Lord sent us the church to prepare them that you may not enter those seven years. Jesus himself warns. When it's time for the Lord to speak about the events coming, you hear him talk about if you see the abomination that causes desolation, the Lord Jesus himself warns the church, warns the world. He says it will be a time of distress like has never happened and will never happen again. That is serious. And Daniel, when you read Daniel 12, the, the, you see him warning there again. The Bible perpetually warns about that time. The prophets of the Lord, if in the Bible you see Isaiah, Joel, whoever, they have been warning about that time. Jeremiah. And then we say the following. That once that happens, the rapture, then you run into those seven years. And yet we say it, the seven years are not for you. We have handled this very clean and clear here that they are not for the church. Are we together? That, that's why in Jeremiah chapter 30, verses 6 to 7, verse 7 itself, will say that it is a time for Jacob's trouble. Why? Can I explain this? Just focus on me because this we have done. I'm just trying to catch up base so we can get started tonight. Why, why Jacob's trouble? He says, the key to understanding end time prophecy, the key Jabez, in Spanish, the key to understand end time prophecy is Daniel chapter 9, verses 24 to 27. We saw that already. That when you see when now Daniel was crying out, 70 years are over, and they should go back and build the hill and serve the Lord over there on the mountain. Then, then Daniel is crying because the Lord didn't seem to, like he's going to answer them. Lord, will you release your people or you're going to judge them? How long shall you judge them? He's trembling there and praying and fasting. Then he sends Gabriel, the same angel, the Lord has sent me many times on this mission. You remember one of the times when he showed me the tribulation temple? And I saw the two beasts entering the tribulation temple in Jerusalem. And I was doing global services here at what we call Studio B over there. And I could not understand. So I asked the Lord, please, can you give me the understanding before I talk to them? Then the next day, remember, he sent the angel Gabriel. And he arrived. And he put his wings. He folded them into the sharp edge. He put like this down. And then he, his hands, and remember the glory that comes out of him almost a meter and a half, and covered the whole circumference, even the bed where I'm sleeping, and then he developed eye contact with me. And then he... And if you read the prior verses before you go 25, 27, he says, let me now give you insight and understanding of this thing. Meaning, Daniel, I don't think you understand the gravity of sin. The Lord has sent me to bring you the gravity of sin, that it is a dreadful thing when God Yahweh will leave his throne there where he is being worshipped. The universe is worshipping him. Remember when he took me inside the throne room and I saw the glorious Lamb of God as though he was slain at the center of the throne, being worshipped, my Lord. The center of worship, taking the same worship as the Father. This is serious, right? But look at this now. I'm saying that it is a terrible thing, in other words, the Lord is saying, for God Yahweh to give high 
consideration of your life. To consider you so highly as to leave his dwelling to come and visit you. The visitation, the hour of your visitation is sent for the following. It says, the hour of God's coming to you. He's saying, it is going to be very important for you to realize and recognize the hour of your visitation. In other words, the hour of God's coming to you. And if you don't, the consequences are unbelievable. So he comes and tells Daniel, it seems you don't understand what it means when somebody does not recognize the hour of God's coming to them, the hour of their visitation. And then he says the following. He said, but Daniel was reading the manuscripts of Jeremiah, 70 years are over. He said, no, it has been increased. It is 70 times 7 because it seems you don't understand the gravity of sin. You're still playing with sin. How can you think it should end like that? What they did was unbelievable. Like a generation I know where I have called the cloud, as you see on your screen here. I have called Yahweh, the Father, and so on video, you even see someone doing his finger like this. And I gave the prophecy, even this white patch, in the dream when I said when it comes to part of the glory, there will be a white patch. Like a generation I know of, that I have I announced one year and a half before, and then two months near it, and then two weeks to it. I even gave us, you see someone even did a hand to make, for you to know, this is a video. And I said, he is coming to visit, as he did in the Old Testament, the way he visited me in the Old Testament. People are like, how, how? You, you know, that's even a bold thing for you to say, right? For you to stand before a modern generation and tell them you are calling the cloud of God. They say, why would you call him? He's synonymous with judgment. We are in the dispensation of grace. Why? Well, why? Why is he coming? We know him for judgment. We are in grace. We are enjoying grace. But I thank God for one thing. That when the Lord is speaking with you. And using you. Don't care about anything created. Just say as it is. It may not make sense. It may seem not to make sense in the physical realm, but you just say the thing, right? Hallelujah. And calling God in this age, you know, the way we do on our global radio, the director here, the, the founder and the director is here himself, and soon there is a ceremony to honor him for that, for this tremendous voice of God he, 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 he built. Yeah, okay, he has built many radios in Kenya, Christian radios. Let's not uh, trivialize this. Yes, so, but listen, listen to this now. This is serious. Very serious. He says, it is now 70 times 7. And I said, the key to understanding end-time prophecy is that one. That you may understand that prophecy that outlined there in Daniel chapter 9, 24 to 27. Because in there, you'll see the highlights You'll hear, verse 27, you'll hear him now talk about the 70th week of Daniel. Hallelujah. And in there, that is now where our conversation is. A very highlighted time where the warning, the red flag has been flagged. Be careful, don't slide into that. That is the time for Jacob's job. Why? Look at this now. Look at this now. Focus on me. He's saying that because the rest of this, all the 70 weeks were answered to Daniel. When he asks, when will judgment end? He says, 70 times 7. Meaning 70 weeks. 69 weeks are passed. 
Then the Lord touched the pause button, right? The Lord remembered somebody. And then, ever since then, he has been admitting you the gentle church. But how, how long has that post been? Wow, more than 2,000 years. And now when you watch your news, you look at my prophecy that is shaking Palestine. The, the prophecy of July 20, 26, the year 2020. The prophecy of the war you see now going on in Palestine and Israel. If you look at my prophecy in Ukraine, the prophecy I gave that, you know, that Russia will try to take part of what and so forth and means that they're going to attack and try to take over. That fulfilled, hallelujah, that I gave it here in the garden here. Senior most pastors from all over the world were sitting here. There was another prophetic briefing like this out there. They had come from all over the world, from Europe and everywhere. Australia, they were sitting there. And then I was briefing them, and the Lord spoke to me that that war is coming to the earth. Then I gave that prophecy there, and then after three months, boom, it took place huh, until today. So, when you just look at your news, the prophecy of COVID that I gave that shut down everything, plus aircraft, and the key was removed. Shut the aircraft, and the key was hung, and the pilot told, go home, we will call you. When you put those prophecies together, you can tell we are coming to the end of the church age. Even a child will tell you that, Daddy, this thing seems to be ending. Because the way I look at this, we have never been this way before. All of a sudden, shut down the whole earth with COVID. And that prophecy I gave, <laughs> the details are unbelievable. We'll come from Asia, lack of equipment, shake the whole world, hospitals are flooded. What you can, you go there and the, including the vaccine. When I said I've talked to the doctors, they said take a little bit of culture, culture. They grow, grow. You know, in petri dishes, petri. You take, touch a bit, and you grow your culture, and then you do isolation, you do, do, do sequencing. If it's an RNA virus, you sequence. After the sequence, you find promoter regions, and then now you knock them out and do the what attenuated. You do now the vaccine. I, I think God, I can speak eloquently on those matters. Then you do the vaccine. If you listen to that prophecy, inside there is also the vaccine. The details are astounding. When I said we come from Asia and all the, and overwhelm hospitals and so forth, shake the earth. So when you look at those events, just on your TV screens, you get to understand that the church age is coming to an end. Even worse more, when you see somebody like me finally appear, commanding heaven, calling the cloud of Yahweh, and you just know that just a moment, I think let's be careful. The church age is about to end. Hallelujah. And so, that's what we saw. Then we realized that there is a bigger prophetic timeline and we fast forwarded to see how does this thing end. God wins. God finally wins. The rock comes out and smashes the statue. Remember, I've seen most of the visions of Daniel, right? I've shared with you. Remember, at the throne room of God Almighty, I've shared so deep. The Ark of the Covenant, the Cherubim, bring the Ark of the Covenant, the person of the Holy Spirit on this side. God, the Holy Spirit, talking with me. And they pass their heads down with the staff. Then I ask, why are they bowing like that? Say, this is the most holy place. They put the Ark of the Covenant there. The Cherubim on this side has a special role. It comes the pills, the chest, and then they all go there and bow. And behind is the river of life and the tree, the, 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 the tree of life on both sides. And then the cloud comes forth, the golden walkway. And he sits on the mercy seat. And remember now the father calls me to go and check inside the Ark of the Covenant. When he seated there. 
And then I see the Bible. One of the things I see there is the Bible. So I've released some deep secrets to you, right? But anyway, so, and then lightning strikes the Ark of the Covenant dreadfully three times. I've shared this since 2004. If you're following, if you're really interested in your eternity, you've heard me say these things. And it strikes, and finishes like that with white light and smoke like that, dreadfully like that, right? Three times strike the Ark of the Covenant. Then the other moment, the Lord allows us to sit on one side of the Ark of the Covenant, the mercy seat. We are sitting on this side. And then Daniel sits alone on the other side. You remember I asked the father, why is he sitting alone there? Hallelujah. So I've seen most of the visions of Daniel. And one of them is this one. The statue, the, the, and then the, the rock, by the way that rock I've described, is sharp at the edges like that, but fat in the middle. Comes in this angle from this direction. And smash the statue, right? And become a huge mountain. So we have seen how this controversy, contradiction and conflict ends. That finally the glorious eternal kingdom of God is established. And finally all the kingdoms are brought down. The kingdom of, of America, kingdom of Russia, kingdom of who? They must be brought down. And only the eternal, most glorious kingdom of God remains forever. So we are right. We are right to stand on God's side. We are right. We are right to stand on His side. Right? That's just the wise thing to do, to join the winning side. Right? So I'm saying the following. That the answer Daniel is given for 70 weeks is about judgment of Israel. Tem has thorns. When I was going to meet them, right? And met senior, senior, very senior most, they came now from Israel to meet them, but you can see the rose has thorns. Meaning he loves them, but they have to pass through. They have passed through the 70th week. Hallelujah. And so, what I'm saying is the following. I'm saying that when you look at the bigger picture, the rapture is just part. A very important part like a switch of that entire cascade, the timeline of God. To the extent that when the rapture happens, now you have only seven years. And then the Messiah comes to establish his reign, right? And we've seen most of those things. So, I just want to catch base with you here on the following. That in the process now, after seeing the positioning of the rapture, then now, I delved, I went deep with you now. Now, can we look at the process itself? And so, we entered and looked at the key fundamental scriptures that roll out, that celebrate and define the rapture of the church. Are we still together? And one of those key scriptures, the main scripture is really fundamental, where we went, which is 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 13 to 18. And when we entered 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, 13 to 18, we read it all as we're going to do now because we have new people in the house. We are going to read it all together. And then after that, I then began now to narrow down. First of all, uh, first of all, I did the following. I said, when you read that scripture, what are the things that scream out to you? Meaning low-hanging fruits that you should pick and, and, and take right away. The things that are obvious, the observations you see right away. We handle that. We are going to handle that again today, right? So that we can put everybody to base, right? And then after that, after seeing the obvious things that shout out to the church, 
from that scripture, the instruction. Then now we went to narrow in on verses 13 and 14. That's what we handled the day before and yesterday, right? So we are now on the same page, right? So let me, allow me now, just to go back to again, First Thessalonians chapter 13, chapter 4, verses 13, all the way to 18. Are we together? Primera Thessalonians, por favor, capítulo 4, versículo 13 al 18. In español, those tuned in in the Latin America. I'm reading it right now. First Thessalonians, blessed people. I'll read it here in front of you. He says the following. Again, very real quick, he says the following. I'm reading it here. You can read with me or you can just follow me on this. It's all right. He says, brothers and sisters. Okay, just a moment. Just Only the church, so many iglesia. He says, brothers and sisters, we do not want you to be uninformed about those who sleep in death so that you do not grieve like the rest of mankind that have hope. We say that that was a big thing, he said, right? We saw now, I deposited to you, I made a deposition here yesterday, that that is a big thing the Lord said. Yesterday you saw the shock out of it, right? So, first of all, he begins by rebuking the church. When it's time for the Lord now to speak about the rapture of the church. In the scripture that rolls out the cascade, the unfolding, the unveiling of the rapture, the first thing the Lord does, He rebukes ignorance in the church. Are we together? He's rebuking ignorance. He says, no, God does not want you to be ignorant. And I did an exposition on that and went to scriptures where God Almighty, the Lord is saying, I don't want to be ignorant. I don't want you to be ignorant. I don't want to be uninformed. 